between his ears. Hit him with the jab, get a good look. Good look, good look, good look, good look, good look, good look. Iso zones, breaking bones. Put your hands up when you get sent home off a good look. Good look, good look, good look, good look, good look, good look. It's the good look podcast. It's the good look podcast. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the good look podcast. Yes, sir, and welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 55 of the Good Look Podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney, giving you guys another episode. Playoff time, baby, playoff time. But first, at the Good Look Podcast on Instagram, at the Good Look Pod on Twitter. Please follow both, like, rate, comment, subscribe, um, at the Good Look Podcast on YouTube as well. Uh, videos aren't coming out right now, but... Make sure you subscribe and like all the old vids and things like that. Really appreciate it. Let's go ahead and get into this news, y'all. Let's get right into it. Uh, Rick Carlisle, longtime head coach of the Dallas Mavericks, 13 seasons. Um, he is out. He's decided that, hey, I've coached here long enough. Um, I got me a title. Uh, I know I'm coaching Luca right now, and that was actually a little bit of news. Apparently, there's a little bit of a rift there, um, but he's out. He won the title for them in 2011, that huge year with Dirk going absolutely nuts in the finals, taking down the big three in Miami. It was incredible. 836 and 639 career record. Um, He's coached with the Pistons, Pacers, and Mavs. No news on where he's going to be going next yet, um, but whoever gets him is getting a really, really good coach. Still a top five coach in the game, in my opinion. Um, So... So look out for wherever Rick Carlisle goes, because that's definitely going to help someone, uh, someone's squad when we're talking about uh, getting a new head coach. Um, the Olympic team, the commitments from the men and women's side have come out. So far, we have for the men, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Zach Levine, Kevin Love, Bam Adebayo, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Jeremy Grant. Now, James Harden originally committed, and so did Chris Paul. He also originally committed, but both of them pulled out Chris Paul for, I guess, age reasons. It makes sense. Um, he's old, and you're not really going to get much of a break, even if, if the Suns get to the finals. Um, James Harden made less sense. The, the news came out earlier in the week that he did commit, but dude had a grade two hamstring and had to would have to be playing a week a month later <laughs> to in order to get ready for the Olympics. That didn't make sense. So he's gonna rest and chill out. Kevin Durant's a little surprising. You would think because he played so many minutes in the second round that he wouldn't, but when you actually think about it, he's probably he only played around fifty games this year because he missed two and a half months in the middle of the season. Um he's so he's only played really sixty ish games the last two years. So for him it, it sounds like it doesn't make sense, but um, for him to just keep his conditioning up and get some more hoop in, it, it, it kind of makes sense on that front. So I'm not too um, I'm not too uh, bothered by him wanting to play one more time. Everyone else is fine. Uh, you get first timers in Jeremy Grant, um, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Bam, uh, Zach Levine, guys who really never got a shot at this, Devin Booker. Um, so it's going to be a new look squad. Obviously, they'll be the favorites. They got a lot of talent. Um, we'll see how it goes. On the women's side, you have Tina Charles, Sy- uh, Sylvia Fowles, Brittany Griner, 
Nafisa Collier, Brianna, Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, Ariel Atkins, Chelsea Gray, uh, Diana Rossi, and Sue Bird going to their fifth Olympics. Insane. Jewel Lloyd, and then finish, finishing it out with, oh, I'm sorry, I already said Chelsea Gray. Um, so shout out to the women as well. Also going to be heavy, heavy favorites. Um, we'll see how the Olympics go in Tokyo. Draft lottery, y'all. Draft lottery, y'all. The results came out um, on Tuesday night. And lo and behold, I'll read the order. But um, we're going to talk about the first team first. And that is the Detroit Pistons finishing off with the number one pick. Um, I feel incredibly happy for Detroit. Um, they've been going through a rough spell lately, um, having to deal with the Blake Griffin mess. And, and this season, they, they actually tried. Um they're, they're still a young team, and, and they weren't going to win a lot, but they were trying. Uh, they were playing hard. You got young guys like Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart, Killian Hayes, guys with promise. And now you get to add, presumably, Cade Cunningham to that mix, 6'8 point guard, who's pretty much one of the most well-rounded number one prospects you could think of. There aren't really a lot of holes in his game. He can pretty much do everything. Um, pass, shoot, score, rebound, defend. And he's a six-eight point guard, so Detroit's getting a real good one, um, who should uh, hopefully get them competitive within the next couple of seasons, along with some of the other young guys that they have. So I'm happy for Detroit. Um, my thing was, as long as Cleveland's ass didn't get the goddamn first uh, overall pick again, I was gonna be fine. Uh, they got the third pick, so they um, they're, they're trying their best here. Ever since uh, I think ever since LeBron left the first time. They've had the number one, or they've had a top five pick nine seasons. So Cleveland's just annoying. Um, Houston, they got the second pick. Uh, they did a lot of chicanery this year. Um, sitting guys, not playing guys. John Wall didn't play back-to-backs. Christian Wood sat out for a while. They got the second pick. They're going to be blessed with either Evan Mobley or a Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs. Um, they're in a good spot. And then Toronto actually jumped into the top four. Um, OKC and the Magic ended up falling out when those two jumped in. Um, Toronto's in an interesting position. Kyle Lowry's a free agent, so we're going to see if they decide, hey, do we want to maybe get one of these wings that fall to us or and then re-sign Kyle Lowry, or do we want to just go in a different direction, maybe get Jalen Suggs or someone like that, pair them with Fred Van Vliet, and then we'll go with Siakam and try to get into a new era of Raptors basketball. So we'll see. Rounding out the rest of the 14, Magic 5, OKC, Golden State. Um, this is the Minnesota pick. If it fell within the top three, Minnesota would have kept it, but because it didn't, obviously, Golden State keeps it at seven. The Magic from the Bulls, um, that one was top four protected. So like with the uh, Golden State pick, if it was top four, the Bulls would have kept it, but it didn't. So that conveys to the Magic. So the Magic have um, two picks, just like Golden State. Um, Golden State has 14 and seven. The Magic have five and eight. Nine is Sacramento. Ten is New Orleans. Charlotte, Spurs, and the Pacers round it out. Um, so uh, this draft is looking like a four-ish person draft. Five if you think Jonathan Kaminga is that dude. Now, I will say, I think on a cup, it was the pod I did with Sean. I watched one G League Ignite game, and I was like, man, Kaminga looks like a guy who could be the number one pick. And if I, you just watched one game, you would honestly agree with me. Because he, he uh, other than the shooting, he did everything else on the basketball court. 6'8", 220 already as a 19-year-old. So, But the jump shot obviously needs a lot of work. 
um, and there's other parts of his game in terms of feel that still needs some work, but kid's still mega talented, most likely goes top five, we'll see. Um, definitely top ten, easy. Um, but people are seeing this more as a four-person draft, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and Cade Cunningham. I think Cade Cunningham is for sure can't miss. Evan Mobley is close to can't miss. Um, Suggs and Green, I think, are going to be really good. They have a little more miss potential based on their different the styles of their games, um, height and, and things of that sort, uh, their physicality. But they both possess a lot of potential. I think all four will be at least good. Um, I think I think that um, Cade has the highest upside of all of them um, just because of his frame and the way that he approaches the game. I really like Cade. Um, but we'll see how the rest of the draft goes. Um, there's other guys that you're not going to be hearing about now. It happens every year. We hear about people that we didn't think were going to be good or we make a mistake here or there and, and overlook somebody and they end up surprising us. So think of someone like Sadiq Bey, um, who made all rookie team this year, um, and he was a late round pick. So, so you never know. That's why the draft is always fun and interesting to look at. Um, so this was a little bit of interesting news as well. Um, the NBA is going to update their shooting foul rules. So um, if you watch the game a lot, you understand that players who are smart um, know how to draw fouls. So the, the NBA is looking into trying to temper um, some of the ridiculous calls that happen. Um, there's the arm sweep move. Everyone knows when a defender has one arm out, the offensive guy kind of just sweeps his arms under them. Um, they stopped calling it a shooting foul, but they're looking to re-examine again. Shooters kicking out their legs at a weird angle. Offensive players abruptly veering off their path. Um, shooter launching and leaning into a defender at an abnormal angle. So that's when your guy pump fakes, and then instead of just jumping up for a normal jump shot, they usually jump forward or jump to the side into the guy who's jumping at them when they close out. Draws a foul. It's annoying. Um, and then this is my most annoying one. The offensive player abruptly veering off the path into a defender. So this is the one that uh, Trey Young smartly uses, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Lou Williams. A lot of smart offensive players use this move. It's when you just drive against a defender and they touch you because that's how defense works. But as soon as they drive and there's a little contact, the offensive player whips back in the opposite direction, and then the refs call that a foul every time. Or when an offensive player just bows his shoulder into a defender, they call a foul on the defender for just standing there or having good position. It just does not allow for defenses to play defense, and it's really annoying. We need to get some defense back into the game so guys can't just literally do whatever they want. Offensive players are skilled enough now to where they don't need the refs or the rules to continue to help them and skew everything so much on the offensive end. So I'd like to see some rules that help defenders out. I've talked about it on this pod before. I'm glad that they're looking at it. We'll see if they actually enforce it because like some things that happened in that Phoenix and Clippers game, we still got some things to work on. Um, a coach leaving Rick Carlisle, one Re or entering the ranks for the first time. Ime Udoka, a longtime Spurs assistant. He's the first Nigerian head coach in NBA history. He's going to be the new head coach of the Boston 
Celtics. Now, before I get into the awesome things about Mr. Udoka, uh, Jay Williams on Twitter was, <laughs> it's, he's been taking fat L's lately. He tweeted out that Ime Udoka is the first black coach in Boston Celtic history, not knowing that they've had Doc Rivers in the last decade, that they had KC Jones, that they had the first ever player coach, African-American coach Bill goddamn Russell. And then this motherfucker tries to come on Twitter and say, I got hacked after. He just needs to take the L and sit the down. Jay Williams, you just sit the down, man. I ain't trying to cuss too much on you, dog, but come on, man. Come on. Own up to it and move on. Nobody cares that much. But when you're trying to <laughs> when you're trying to blame it on a hack, it's it's just weak. Um, but shout out to Ime. He played seven seasons in the league, three of them with the Spurs. He's been a seven year assistant with them, and his name has come up uh here and there when head coaching positions have uh been available the last couple seasons. So I'm happy for him. He deserves it, he deserves a shot. There's a lot of people that deserve shots, so I'm finally I'm happy that he finally got his chance. Sticking with Boston. Uh, Kemba Walker actually got traded. Him and the 16th pick in this year's draft are going to Oklahoma City for Moses Brown, Al Horford, and a second round pick. This pick ends up saving Boston around 20 to 30 million over the next two seasons, along with them getting off of Kemba's contract just because it's hard to make the contract worth it when you don't play. So hopefully Kemba gets healthy so he can get back into that uh, all-star form. And we'll see what the Celtics end up doing with Horford. He comes back to the Celtics. Um, part of a he's a piece that they used when they were making those finals or Eastern Conference finals runs, um, the latter part of the 2010s. And Moses Brown is a nice little project. He had a he had a game where he had like 20 rebounds in the first half. So uh, we'll see how that pick goes or how that trade goes. It looks like OKC is probably going to move on from him. So be on the lookout for him moving forward, and we'll we'll talk about that once that happens. But let's go ahead and get to some actual basketball, guys. A lot has happened in the past week. Um, series have ended. Series have begun. The Bucks finally outlasted <laughs> outlasted the Nets. Man, it was a it was a rough and tough series. That game seven was incredible. Kevin Durant hit one of the best shots. In NBA history, honestly, and the fact that he was wearing the size 18s and not the size 17s that night might have cost them an Eastern Conference Finals trip because he hit a turnaround. It pretty much is like this is a move you make in the mid post area. He made a turnaround fadeaway almost, almost three to tie the game and send it to overtime against Milwaukee. And both teams just looked gassed. KD was like over five in the overtime, shot an air ball at the end of the game. He was cooked. I can't believe there were people who had the audacity to like criticize him, knowing that the motherfucker played like 50 minutes, three consecutive games, or play, never sat out for three consecutive games and doing everything he could possibly do. Um, but people like to troll and, and things like that. I get it. So people go ahead and get your shit off. But Kevin Durant was absolutely incredible. Um, I, I wrote down here him and Harden might have done more for themselves in defeat that they did in victory. Because Harden, despite not playing well, he played, man. And playing with a grade two hamstring, not being able to move and cut and do exactly what you want to do on a basketball court. I personally know how that that really is uh, just on a pickup level because uh, of knee issues. But to have a hamstring like that... Um, 
just being just not being yourself it's it's a tough thing to do and he was still out there gutting it out um so shout out to him i can't believe people were actually trying to criticize him too they're like i know he's hurt but he did shoot like y'all y'all tripping man just (laughs) just enjoy the greatness this time And, and kevin durant continuing to show why he's possibly the best player in the league you gotta love it i appreciate katie so much i'm happy about the season that he had just that he was able to come back from such a devastating injury with the achilles um so i'm looking forward to see what the nets do next year they were my title pick barring the injuries but obviously injuries have marred this entire postseason it's not an excuse we'll see what milwaukee does in the next round but shout out to Giannis stepping up in that game for our game seven they really needed it from him people were criticizing him left and right um, but he was able to show up this next series is a different question <laughs> um the hawks advance now when you hear that what does that tell you it tells you that there's another team who was the one seed in the eastern conference for a majority of the year that didn't get past the second round. And that would be the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, we could talk about Joel Embiid, Doc Rivers, um, any and everything else surrounding this situation. But the story is obviously Ben Simmons. Talked about it for years now that him and Embiid don't work. I watch games with my father and... He's like, well, why doesn't Ben Simmons do this, do that? Why isn't there enough spacing? It's like, because, or why is Embiid always out on the perimeter? Obviously, because Ben Simmons is in the game. He isn't a threat from any spot on the court. Any spot. And his reluctance to shoot just gets highlighted in the postseason year after year. And it finally reared its most ugly head in this game. When he had a back down play against Gallinari, turned, had a wide open dunk, and passed it out to Matisse Thibel for some reason that made him hit a, have to take a, a contested layup against two people. And it just highlighted what Ben Simmons truly doesn't do on the offensive end. He had four games in that series where he did not attempt a field goal. He got hacked, but he did not record a field goal attempt. A guy who's a three-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA defender, who's that talented, that big, that strong, that fast, should not be as compromised on the offensive end as he is. He shoots with the wrong hand. Shout out to Kevin O'Connor. He needs to probably switch (laughs) because he literally does everything with his right hand except shoot. And if he if him shooting with his left hand looks like that with his elbow all the way out to the side, he might as well try to switch to his right and do something else because it looks disgusting. Uh, I think everyone's piled on Ben Simmons, but this one is is rightfully. This criticism is rightfully just he needs to get it together and it might not be in Philly, but that might not be the worst thing for him, actually. Now, I think the. The reaction, although just, sometimes can even go overboard with that because he still does a, he still does some things that are incredibly important on a basketball court, like defend and play make. But to be that compromised on the offensive end severely reduces your value, especially in a league where 
we probably prioritize offense versus defense probably to a 70-30 rate. So it's time. It's Ben Simmons. He's in the sixth league. He's got his contract extension. He's got his money. It's time for him to wake up. Does he just want to be one of these regular dudes or does he want to be a great? And that's what's cool about the NBA. It's the longest running reality show that we have. Now, there are other sports, obviously. That's why we like sports in general, because they're essentially just reality TV with rules. I could explain that more, but I'm not going to. Uh, but but these things are sports, basketball specifically, are just they. We have so much that we expect. We have so much that we are accustomed to that we know. But things continually happen that amaze us, and that's why we keep coming back. Um, so hopefully, Ben Simmons takes this his lowest point as a basketball player probably in his life. Um, and turns it around into something awesome because if he does that would be an incredible redemption story and i'm here for it i hope he gets better we all want him to see better. what we all want him to do better because we all see the talent so he should be better and i hope he's able to turn it around Um, but now the eastern conference final ends up being hawks bucks and trey young uh, i tweeted this out trey young is inevitable this dude I've never seen a narrative turn for a player so quick in all the years I've watched basketball. Trey Young didn't make an all-NBA team this year. He didn't make the all-star team this year. He started in the all-star game last year. He was averaging 30-11. and 11. Now, Atlanta got off to a slow start, fired Lord P- Lloyd Pierce, got healthy, and all of a sudden skyrocketed to the f- uh, fifth seed in the East. I picked them to beat the Knicks. I thought they had too much versatility for the Knicks, proven right on that front. But in the second round when they played Philly, it didn't even with Embiid hurt. And when we saw Embiid play, even with the injury, he looked like himself. So that it, it felt like <laughs> they should be able to contain it, right? But Trey Young is maybe the most crafty young player in the league right now. He understands so much from the point guard position at such a young age, weaving in and out of traffic, using ball screens, taking supreme advantage of drop coverage, just like Chris Paul would, except his range extends to three po- the three-point line a little bit more. Um, can make every pass. He threw a dime off the backboard to John Collins. He had a move on Drew Holiday off of a, a brush screen where he crossed over twice, shimmied, before he shot the three and nailed it on him. Like, my man's confidence is at an all-time high. And he had 48-11-7 in a game one road game. So, now, I, I talk about the narrative turn. I didn't really believe in him much, honestly. Out of Oklahoma, I didn't think it would translate so much. He was small. I thought he'd be able to take get taken advantage of more on the defensive side, and apparently teams don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, but he's proven a lot of people wrong, and a lot of people, including myself, um, it's time to eat that crow. Trey Young is an incredible offensive player, and he's turning himself into one of the best guards in basketball, without question. 
Um, now, he isn't the perfect player. If you look at game seven against Philly, he was five for 23. So it's not like he played that well in that game either. But the kid knows how to run his offense, lead his team, get them in the right positions, and at least get good shots off the majority of the time. So they're always in a game. And they have that versatility. I talked about it. They had seven guys scoring double digits this year. Having those many, that many people, even with a compromised Bogdanovich, having that many people and that much offensive versatility, it's hard to guard because you can't just key in on Trey. If you do, then you have a Kevin Herter game where he drops 27. You have guys step up like Gallinari. Um, Clint Capella getting you 19 boards. John Collins, you got to honor him. So Atlanta has built an incredible ecosystem around Trey Young with him being the nucleus of it. And it's been really exciting to watch. Yes, there have been injuries. Yes, if Milwaukee, if the Nets were healthy, they'd probably beat them. It's all that stuff. But there's a lot of what-ifs that could have happened this year. or And there's a lot of what-ifs that have been affected because of the injuries this year. But we can't look at those no more. They happened. They affect every postseason. It is what it is. You got to play who's in front of you. And Atlanta has been playing incredible basketball ever since the postseason started. Super happy for that franchise and super happy for Trey Young for turning that narrative around. The kid is special. Now, if he just stops like foul, if he just stops foul hunting, um, then I would, I'd, I'd 100% be on the bandwagon. But um, he's going to do it until the NBA changes it. We'll see what they do. Like I said, when we talked about it earlier, what they do for next season. But got to give Dewey's flowers. He's been absolutely spectacular. But let's talk about the Clippers and the Suns now. Their series ended last a while ago. Yes, Phoenix <laughs> swept out my nugs, so that happened a long time ago. And then the Clippers were able to get what was known as the Terrence Mann game. Terrence Mann dropped 39 points in a clinching Game 7 victory for the Clippers in the second round. What the... <laughs> What the hell is going on with the Clippers, man? Man, just to... They lost Kawhi, and I'm sorry it was in game six. They lost Kawhi, top five player in this game, 2-2 Utah. And Utah dropped the last two games. Clippers went small, and they couldn't adjust. Reggie Jackson turned is turning into Kyrie Irving somehow. Paul George is doing just enough. He's playing well. And Terrence Mann in that game seven had one of the greatest games from an un, unheralded hero that you will ever see. And it was incredible to see him get past the hump. And, and Stable Center has never been louder for a Clippers team in the history of that franchise. So shout out to them for making their first Western Conference final. Fast forward. You're playing a really good team now. And guess what? This team does not have Chris Paul. What happens? Devin Booker goes with a 40-point triple-double. His first triple-double in his career beats the brakes off the Clippers game one. Game two, a whole lot closer. And there's a lot more to talk about in this game. Devin Booker did not play well. Patrick Beverly actually played a really good defense on him. And ended up making his nose bleed like Steve Nash against the Spurs in 07. Shout out Robert Ory. But what won them this game was campaign 
and DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton had a huge double-double campaign, 29 points. And they did this all without Chris Paul once again. And then it culminated with the Valley Oop. That's one of the dopest names. Shout out my boy CJ. One of the dopest names for a sports moment you'll ever hear. The Valley Oop. The pass from Jay Crowder to DeAndre Ayton with 0.9 seconds left that ended up sealing the victory and being the game winner for the Phoenix Suns in game two. But let's talk about some things that happened in that game. That game, in terms of replay, was... We talk about how Ben Simmons had his offensive deficiencies truly highlighted in that Hawks series. Replay's deficiencies were highlighted at an all-time high in this game. The call for with Patrick Beverly knocking the ball out of Devin Booker's hand, I knew what they were going to do, and it still pissed me off. It's funny because Nick Wright obviously shares the same sentiment. There's a lot of people who share the same sentiment. But he especially went off on a couple of morning shows. Um, But if you look at the timeline, it's the people who watch Hoop a lot. They know. If you're playing basketball and the ball gets knocked out by a player, we are not going to deal with the bullshit of, like, it might have barely touched me, but you are the force reason why the ball went out of bounds. It's our ball. That ball was Phoenix's ball. But... Because I knew it as soon as it got tipped out of bounds, I knew Patrick Beverly was going to wave his finger to have it reviewed because the rest will review everything now because they don't trust themselves anymore in the last two minutes of a game. And if you review it, yes, when you see it, it still touches Devin Booker at the end. But the reason the ball went out of bounds is Patrick Beverly. And we're looking at that play for the next, for the three quarters, four minutes, or 46 46 minutes of a game. We don't care. We're moving forward. But because of replay, we have to interpret these things to the nth degree. And it just takes the spirit out of the game, man. Along with slowing it down. Like a mug, that last two minutes took 33 minutes of real time. It gave teams timeouts that they didn't have. It gave the Suns a a free timeout, essentially, to draw up that alley-oop play off the tip. The replays have been... The replaying and the officiating are things that definitely need an overhaul. The way the game is played... Players are smart enough to know how to take advantage, and these replay rules have not done what they've been intended to do, and that's to get these things right. So something definitely needs to change. When guys, honestly, what I, I've said this before, what they need to do when there's a review is to just have the guys stand at half court. They shouldn't be able to have free replay or free timeouts in those situations. Don't let them. Just have them stand at half, half court and wait for the call to happen. Also, Uh, These replays shouldn't take so long. We see them on TV in 20, 30 seconds. We know the call. I don't know why it takes five minutes every time to review something. So, man, the, the replay rules definitely need an overhaul. It's been ridiculous for a long time now. Please, NBA, please, I am begging you to change this up because it really hurts the overall product, man. And Paul George, I ain't forget about you, dog. 
There's a reason my title said for now last week on that podcast. Now, to his credit, he was great in that final two minutes, except for one moment that I'll obviously get to. He was 0 for 7 from 3 for the game, finally hit a 3 um, late, hit a jump shot after answering Devin Booker's, and had a split layup uh, to keep his team in the game. Give him the lead, actually. And then it came down to him for some free throws, and he missed both. And it's tough. But that's who Paul George is. He will show you the spectacular while at the same time the frustration of why his greatness ultimately just has a cap. He'll have the games where he helps close out the the Jazz in seven or six. He'll also have the game where he shoots the ball off the side of the backboard against the Nuggets in game seven. This is who Paul George is. Talked about it last week. It's never... People were hella praising him. And he deserves it when he plays well, obviously. I'm not going to knock the dude. But we know who he is. He's Jekyll and Hyde. You're going to get some good. And you're going to get the bad. You just got to hope that the bad doesn't outweigh the good in those situations. And you're able to elevate. Now the Clippers are down 2-0 once again. But this is a little bit different. They just beat you twice without Chris Paul, and now he's coming back. I don't think they get out of this one. All right, y'all. Appreciate you listening to episode 55 of the GLP. I'm your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney. Um, Going to give you guys another episode next week. Um, we're getting really close to the NBA Finals. We might have an Atlanta-Phoenix, Atlanta-LA NBA final if we get the Hawks in the NBA finals it will be the perfect cherry on the wildest season maybe ever but appreciate you guys for listening and and tapping in Uh, I really appreciate it every single time Uh, so I'll get back at it Um, and and please like rate comment uh, subscribe review share all those things I really do appreciate it thank you for your time hope you have a good one Good luck, 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 it's the good luck podcast, it's the good luck podcast.